in word or in deed, we do it in his name. Um, I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, God is our refuge. Amen. God is our refuge. And I'm going to read from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 33. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 33. And I want to uh, read to you from the uh, latter part of this uh, passage of scripture. Now this comes upon the heels of the blessing of Moses upon the people of Israel. And I'm going to read to you some of the things that he says in this blessing. Uh, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 33, uh, verse 1, we'll start there. This is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai, rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of his saints from his right hand with a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sit down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. Now, I want you to notice verse 4. Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Verse 5, he was king in Yeshurun. He was king in Yeshurun. Now, that's an interesting word, not one that we really speak of very often, but it's an important word. It's actually a name of Israel, Yeshurun, but it is Israel and it means upright. In other words, it is referring to Israel in their state of being upright, their state of being what they're supposed to be. It's who they are when they are doing what is right. When they are, when the Bible speaks of Jacob, of course, this is his name before the name change. And when it speaks of Israel, he's a prince that has prevailed with God and man. But Yeshurun is a reference to Israel when Israel is doing as they are supposed to do. When they are in the position they're supposed to be in. And notice that when they're where they need to be, he is king. And you know where you are in God by who is king. And you can make a lot of things king that aren't supposed to be king. You can worship a lot of things that aren't supposed to be worshipped. You can obey a lot of things that aren't supposed to be obeyed. You can follow the edict of things you should not follow their edicts. Uh, when they're Yeshurun, he is king. And so he goes on to bless his children. Let Reuben live and not die. Let not his men be few. Verse 7, this is the blessing of Judah. Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him unto his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him. Be thou and help to him from his enemies. Of Levi, let thy Thummim and Urim be with thy holy one. This is, of course, a reference to the priestly garments and the, the truly supernatural manifestation of the Thummim and Urim in the priestly garments. And he goes on to bless all of his children. And he's still speaking of Levi in verse 11. Bless Lord his substance. Accept the work of his hands. Smite through the loins of them that rise up against him. And of them that hate him that they rise not again. God will actually curse those who curse his people. And he will bless those who bless his people. 
Verse number uh, 12 of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. Of Joseph, he said, Blessed of the Lord be his land for the precious things of heaven. Verse 14, the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, the precious things brought forth by the moon, the chief things of the ancient mountains, the precious things of the lasting hills. Joseph has a lot of blessings. Verse number uh, 18, he's blessing Zebulon and Issachar. Verse 20, he's blessing Gad. 22, he's blessing Dan. 23, he's blessing Naphtali. 24, he's blessing Asher. And then he says in verse 26, there is none like unto the God of Yeshurun. Again, we see that word. Who rideth upon the heavens in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. Now, I want you to know that this is not just a fancy way of saying that God has a lot of power. But very literally when God is helping you. You will receive help from the heavens. And you will receive excellency from the sky. This is what the Bible says in the book of Judges. When there were great battles. The battle of Barak and Deborah the judge who gave instruction to Barak. When they were singing the great song of victory. The Bible says the stars in their course did fight for thee. The stars in their course did fight for thee. And what that is saying is that there were celestial powers at work. That you didn't even know were at work for you. There were gravitational pulls at work for you. That you didn't even know were at work for you. There were alignment there was alignment of various entities that God alone is responsible for directing them. And they were all in on the case of you being victorious. This is how Joshua could command the sun to stand still. This is how Joshua could command the moon to be still. Because God was giving help from the heavens. He was giving excellency from the sky. This is why Elijah could cause it not to rain for the space of three and a half years. And then he could pray and it would rain after the space of three and a half years. Because there was help from the heavens and excellency from the sky. When he is the God of Yeshua, it matters when we are upright. Now we know God is a God of grace. We know that God is a God of mercy. How many are thankful for his mercy? Oh, none of us would be here if it weren't for the mercy of God. How many are thankful for the grace of God that keeps us? I'm thankful that His grace is sufficient for us. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that anybody and everybody is welcome into the house of the Lord to receive strength for their journey. And you should never feel bad that you are in a position of struggling. If you're struggling, struggle on. Don't, don't, you know, there was a time when Samson fought a lion. And we know, we have the blessed privilege of reading the rest of that story that Samson defeated the lion and later would eat honey from the carcass of that lion. But I just wonder how many times in that struggle, that fight, how many times did Samson wonder what the outcome was going to be? You know, we, we get to read through it pretty quick. Samson slew a lion. And, and wow, that was eventful. 
But it was eventful in the moment. Those are, those are some big words to live through. Samson slew a lion. And I wonder when that thing jumped out onto him, if he knew immediately, oh, this is going to end well. I wonder if he could taste the honey when he was wrestling the lion. Because when you're going through a struggle, you don't always know, at least you don't think you know what the outcome is going to be. But I've come to tell you tonight that God is your refuge. That God is your very present help in the time of trouble. And you can be confident that he that has begun a good work in you. Oh, hallelujah. Can I get a witness tonight of somebody who knows? Hey, you may not know exactly how the end is going to turn out, but you do know he has begun a good work. You know, you know what he started doing. And God said, if I began it, I'm going to complete it. He's not just the author of your faith. He is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. He's not just the alpha. He is the omega. He's not just the first. He is the last and I'm going to tell you that God that has begun a good work in you is able to perform it unto the day of Christ. Praise God. Oh, it's great to have faith in God. It's great to have faith in God. I'm grateful that I know, that I know, that I know He is with me. He is for me. He is on my side. Praise God. And the Bible says that that, that there is none like unto the God of Yeshua. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's a different level than just being the God of Israel. Israel is a prince that prevails, yes. But, but this Yeshua, this is, this, is an, this is a nation that walks upright. And you've never known God like you'll know God when you walk upright. If you're struggling tonight, there's no shame in a struggle. Bring the struggle and keep on struggling. But this is what I really want to point out to you. We are not in a culture, speaking of the church, we are not in a culture of struggling. We are in a culture of victory. Hallelujah. We do not revel in our struggle or our weakness. We do not find great, great gladness in our in our shortcomings and we do not show that off we understand that we are to have victory in Jesus so Samson if you're in a struggle again no shame in the struggle but don't stop until you win that battle because that lion that lion will fall dead before you and will feed you when you come by that way again I want to just remind you how that story goes because he defeats that lion and he goes to take care of what he went to do. And when he comes back by that way again, there is honey, hallelujah, in the carcass of the lion. You know what I ought to preach sometime is where is the honey? Because I'm going to tell you there's honey all through the scriptures. Hallelujah. There's honey in the rock. 
It's not just in the honeycomb. There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the carcass of your enemy. Everywhere you look in the scriptures, there's always something there to to be sweet to your mouth. Hallelujah. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. He satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Hallelujah. And so when you come back by this way again, That struggle, once you gain the victory, that struggle is going to provide sweetness to your mouth. You're going to come back by that way and say, you won't won't dread running into that carcass again. You won't dread reliving those memories. You're going to come by and it's going to be a sweetness to you. It's going to be a refreshing to you. Hallelujah. You're You're going to point to that carcass and say, this carcass represents the day God gave me the victory hallelujah I've got victory in Jesus ladies and gentlemen oh hear what I'm preaching to you I'm talking to you as someone who's come through the night I'm talking to you as someone who's come through the struggle I'm talking to you as someone who's come through the fight and I'm going to tell you you always want to persevere to the other side Hallelujah, because when you get to the other side, it is a sweet refreshing to your soul. And in the meantime, God is your refuge. You know what I'm talking about. He is your shelter. He is your fortress. Praise God. When, when you're in the building, I was walking through a building uh, an airport the other day and, and I was making my way from one terminal to the next and I saw a line that uh, a sign that had a line pointing and an arrow that said this way to the to the severe weather shelter and I thought good to know good to know just just kind of put that away and tuck it away and remember should that moment come in the next couple of hours while I'm in this airport I know where to go but I'm going to tell you that's what it is about God He is the severe weather shelter. Hallelujah. There is no wind. There is no wind that can can knock him down. He is strategically located in a way that there is no force. There is no power that can overwhelm him. And you are safe in him. You are safe in him. You are safe and secure from all alarm. Hallelujah. Notice what the word of God says in Deuteronomy chapter 33. The eternal God is thy refuge. Verse 27. The eternal God. What an adjective. The eternal God. Hallelujah. Could have said the almighty God. That would have been great. He could have said the everlasting God. He could have said many things. But he said the eternal God is thy refuge. In other words, it's never ending. He always has been and he always will be thy refuge. Notice what he said. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The eternal God is thy refuge. Now, I want to just point out that this is the first time the Bible says that God is their refuge, that God is our refuge. It's the first time. But the Bible does talk about refuge throughout the scriptures. 
in the book of Numbers chapter 35. I want to read to you just a few verses of scripture. Numbers 35 and verse number 6. The word of the Lord says this. Among the cities. He's he's talking about passing out cities as inheritance. Among the cities you shall give unto the Levites. There shall be six cities for refuge. Which you shall appoint for the manslayer. That he may flee thither and to them. Ye shall add 40 in two cities. Goes on to read in verse number 11, 9 and 11. The Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye be come over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you that the slayer may flee thither. Now, he goes on to say, Which killeth any person at unawares. That is a very important part of this command of God. The first verse we read, he explained that these cities were going to be for the manslayer. In verse 11, he says it's going to be for the slayer, that they may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. This is an important, uh, this is an important distinction, and I want to explain why. Because it is not a refuge for the murderer. It is a refuge for the manslayer. And it is the difference between murder and manslaughter. That's where we get the distinction between murder and manslaughter. We get it from the law of Moses. The distinction between murder and manslaughter has to do with premeditation. And in the Bible explains in this law of Moses that the manslayer is different than a murderer. When the manslayer does not have it and his intention to kill. And so when the manslayer kills on accident, there is a city of refuge that they can go to until they can be judged by the congregation. And so there is, this, is an, this is an act of mercy, but it is not for the murderer, it is for the manslayer. And so when the person in the law of Moses had it in their heart to murder and they planned a murder, that is punishable by death in the law of Moses. But when a person accidentally slays, this person can find refuge in a city of refuge until they can be tried for the crime of manslaughter. And and the congregation will judge exactly how that's supposed to be. The city of refuge is an example. It's 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 the... context that Israel had to understand refuge. It is the first time the Bible mentions the word refuge when it designates a city for the refuge. So when the Bible, when God says, I'm going to create a place of refuge, he said, this place of refuge is going to be for those who have found themselves in a ton of trouble and they don't know what to do and they're about to be punished and they are, and they are in this position accidentally, I'm going to create a place of refuge for them. And then this understanding translates to what we know about refuge when Moses flips the script and says, the eternal God is thy refuge. He is letting them know these cities of refuge are a reflection of God. That this is the kind of mercy that God will show to people. And it is important that we understand that his mercy 
that, that, that this refuge, I should say, refuge does not extend to the murderer. It extends to the manslayer. The only hope the murderer has for any kind of safety is through mercy. So you can't live in sin willfully and expect God to be your refuge. You can't, you cannot harbor a sin in your spirit and expect the Lord to be your refuge. And you say, well, oh, well then what am I supposed to do? Because ladies and gentlemen, if, if I'm just talking today about uh, people who struggle with sin and, or who have committed sin, then every one of us are, are, are in a bad situation. But, but the Bible says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. And if you've got a struggle going on in your life, it needs to be something that you are actively fighting. And not something you are willfully harboring. It has to be something that you are actively resisting. And if that's the case, and you stumble and fall, and it's not something that you are harboring or excusing or or wanting or desiring, but instead it is something you do not want in your life and you stumble and fall. I'm going to tell you the Bible says that if you will confess your sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive you of your sins. Again, we do not promote a culture of struggle. We're not promoting a culture of, hey, listen, you just don't worry about sinning. God will forgive you. That's not my message to you. My message, is to, my message to you is you've got to win the victory because you have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, if I have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, then why am I still struggling? It's called F-L-E-S-H. And you're, this is it right here. This body of sin, the Bible calls it. In fact, Paul calls it the body of death. This body is slowly dying because it is, it is a part of a world that is subject to the law of sin and death. And the only way I'm going to overcome this flesh is when this corruptible puts on incorruption. Until then, we fight. Until then, we surrender ourselves. Until then, we submit ourselves. Until then, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Until then, we soldier on. Hallelujah. If you are struggling with a sin in your life, you must repent of that sin. And if you are, you say, but I've repented and I've gone back to it. Repent again. And again and again. And the Bible says that those who sin willfully, there remaineth no sacrifice for their sin. That does not mean that if you commit a sin that you are now doomed to hell because you've already experienced the grace of God and now there's no more grace for you. That's not what that means. What that means is there is no more sacrifice for your sin. You, don't, you can't bring a bullock or a goat or a, or a calf into a brazen altar and offer it as the sacrifice for your sin you've recently committed. There is only one sacrifice that will wash away sin. And that sacrifice has already been made. And it is a perpetual sin offering. So you, 
When it says there remaineth no more sacrifice, it means you don't have to go to an Old Testament tabernacle anymore. The writer was speaking to the Hebrews in the context of the priests who, who, who performed the sacrifices of many bullocks and goats and calves. And yet all of those sacrifices, none of them were able to wash away sins. But this man, this man, Jesus Christ, came one time and offered himself as one sin offering. And that one offering of one man entering one time into the holy place is capable of washing away the sins of all mankind. So today, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you're struggling against sin, you go back to the one sacrifice that was performed at Calvary's cross. That is the sacrifice that saved you. That's the sacrifice that keeps you. That's the sacrifice that will wash you over and over and over and over. That is the blood that has the power over your sin. We do not preach false grace. A grace turned unto lasciviousness. A grace that says you can commit whatever sin you want to commit. The grace of God will cover it. That is a lie. In the New Testament, the scripture lets us know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In the New Testament, the apostle Paul takes great pains to list several sinful lifestyles that will prohibit people from entering into the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about the law of Moses. We're talking about the perfect law of liberty. The grace of God is not something that just covers whatever sin you commit and you can just do whatever you want. No, no, no. You cannot live in a, in a situation of sinning willfully. And by willful, it means it, it, it is referring to you dismissing this as a sin. You discarding this as a sin. This is not sinful. This is not a problem. This is not going to keep me out of heaven. God doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not going to obey the word of God. That's sinning willfully. To understand that sin is sin and to be actively submitting yourself to God and resisting the devil and actively living a life of sacrifice and actively living a life where you are not making provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That is how you gain the victory through Jesus Christ. And there are, in those cases, there are times when people still will stumble and they will fall. And the scripture says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. Praise God. But there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian who are looking at actual sinful lifestyles and saying, we don't call that sin anymore. That is sinning willfully. That is sinning willfully. There are people who are looking at what the Bible calls an abomination. And they're saying, we've got to get with the times. And we don't call that an abomination like the word. That is sinning willfully. That is, that is actually a reprobate mind. And what a, what a frightening concept the reprobate mind is. Reprobate mind. You know that's a legal term. It, the root of it is probate. Probate is an inheritance term. In fact, you'd, 
better make sure that you line up your will. Everybody say will. That's a legal term, and it's a spiritual term. You've got to surrender your will. And you better line up your trust. That's a legal term, and that's a spiritual term. And they have to do with inheritance. Your will and your trust have to be lined up appropriately. If your will is not surrendered, and I'm jumping from the legal to the spiritual. If your will is not surrendered and your trust is not in God, your inheritance is in jeopardy. The Lord has so much in store for you. The Lord has so much in store for you and he wants he wants to give it to you. The Bible says it is the good it is the father's good pleasure to give the kingdom to his children. That's our inheritance. But when our will is not surrendered and our trust is not in God, then the inheritance we're supposed to receive goes into probate. And that means that it's subject now to the whims of the world or to the whims of the state. And, and when you do get your will and your trust lined up, then the inheritance of God has an instrument it can flow through and you'll receive it. All I got to do, Brother Reuben, to get, to get the inheritance God has for me is surrender my will and trust in him. That's all I've got to do. And it takes it out of probate. Hallelujah. And it deposits it into my spirit. And now I'm, I receive from my father the ability to trample on serpents. I receive from my father the ability to overcome the wicked one. Where did that ability come? It came via the inheritance. Oh, hallelujah. This is, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, it's not even me that gets to have it. It's Jesus that gets to have it. But I am made a joint heir with Christ. It's his name. Oh, God. Have mercy. It's his name that's on the document. But, but when I was baptized into his name, I became a joint heir with him. And everything he had coming to him, I get it too. I know it doesn't make any sense. Because if you look at the record of my life, you're going you're gonna to say, how in the world does he get to have all that peace and all that hope and all that love and all that faith and all that joy and all that goodness? And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's not because of what I've done. It's what Jesus has done. But I surrendered my will in obedience to God's plan of salvation. And I'm trusting in him. And now I get everything that Jesus receives. He, take, he took everything I get. All the pain, all the punishment, all the penalty, all the crucifixion, all the death, being buried with the transgressors. He took everything I get, and I get everything he got. Grace and love and power. You know, we call grace the unmerited favor of God. Do you know it's not the unmerited favor of God? It's just a favor of God. But it is unmerited to us. There's only one who merited the favor, and his name is Jesus. He merited it. I didn't merit it. I've already missed my chance to go to heaven because there's sin in my, on the record of my life. What, what, you, you, oh, I know you think, well, God will forgive you. What do you mean God will forgive me? That's only if Jesus did what he, does what he did. 
It's only by the power and grace of God that I have forgiveness and have mercy. If you erase that from the equation, I'm going straight to hell. I, listen, if Jesus hadn't done what he did, I could be baptized in the name of Jesus and speak in tongues for the rest of my life, and I'll still go to hell. If Jesus hadn't done what he did. I surrender my will to it, and I trust in him. And now all of a sudden, the, the inheritance of God has an instrument that it can flow through. And it comes out of probate and into my spirit. Now, after I've experienced that, and I shut down my trust in God, and I take back my will that I surrendered to Him, and I say, no, I'm doing my will again, and it is the will of my flesh that rules the day, then I have reprobated the inheritance of God. That is a reprobate mind. And, and, and there are a lot of people who have reprobated, but the frightening thing is the Lord described a seared conscience scenario and a position of willful sinning and a position of, of, of apostasy that where the scripture says that God turned them over unto a reprobate mind. And when God decides that they're reprobate, that is a frightening place to be. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And having said that, I'm glad to tell you, he's a God of mercy. That's why we rejoice in his mercy. Somebody said, somebody said, you know, people who are afraid of God and, and afraid of his, of his judgment. Listen, mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Always call on his mercy. We don't ignore his judgment. We, we, we must have a fear of God in us but call on his mercy and plead for his mercy and thank him for his mercy and rejoice in his mercy he is your refuge Listen, I'm going to tell you something I have yet to find the person and it, I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter what terrible deed they've done I have yet to find the person who poured their heart out before God with sincerity and humility that he did not receive unto himself. I've never found them. And I have met some bad characters who I walked away thinking, well, I, it's going to take an act of God. And guess what happened? God acted. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, and somebody said, well, the Bible says Esau sought carefully for a place of repentance. And he sought carefully with tears. And he found no place of repentance. But he sought carefully with tears. That's a frightening scripture. Esau sought carefully with tears for a place of repentance and found no place of repentance. That's frightening. That feels a little hopeless until you understand what it means. This is what it means. Repentance and tears are not the same thing. You can cry and never repent, and you can repent without crying. Now, I love it when you repent and cry. That's the best. Glory, hallelujah. When you feel it, and it's coming out through your eyes. 
And you can't, and you just, it's just in you, and there's a fount of living water flowing out of you. But, but what the Bible is not saying that Esau, Esau begged God and pleaded with God, and he went before God, and God said, no, it's too late. That's not what that means. It means he sought carefully for a place of repentance with tears, but it was about weeping and not about repenting. And so I have seen it for years, people who will weep and cry, begging God for mercy, and walk out with an unrepentant heart. You will not find a place of repentance simply by being emotional about the sin you committed. Simply about being remorseful. At some point, you've got to repent. Which simply means turning away. Walking away from it. Hallelujah. Well, I've tried that, Pastor, and it doesn't work for me. Try it again and ask God to help you. And confess to Him that you can't do it on your own. And confess to Him that with Him and through Him you can do all things. And hallelujah. And prophesy over your life that you're going to be victorious. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. I will not die. I will not die. I will not, I will not fall to this. I'm going to stand upright. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. That's Yeshurun. Standing upright. Praise God. If you think God is great while you're struggling, wait till you walk with God while you stand upright. While you stand victorious. Glory to God. His voice becomes crystal clear. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you, you can be holy. I'm telling you, you can be a righteous man and a righteous woman. Not by your own righteousness, but by his righteousness. But he can absolutely overtake you. And he can purify your thoughts. And he can purify your heart. And he can purify your language. And he can purify your feelings. You know know a prayer I've prayed for years? I've prayed, Lord, help me to feel the way I should feel. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't always know how to feel. Sometimes I think, shouldn't I be mad? Shouldn't I be angry? Shouldn't I I be like depressed about this? Somebody said to me one time, they said, I feel bad for not being more sad about this. I said, "Don't don't, don't feel bad for God giving you joy. Don't, Don't feel bad for God giving you joy. God, help me feel the way I should feel. And then you expect it to happen. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to then force it to happen. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. It doesn't say weeping may endure for a night and then you got to go out and track down joy. Now you, you don't want to make provision for the flesh, but joy is going to come to you. Hallelujah. Peace. Is like a river. It's going to flow. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And you can say, God, help me feel the way I should feel about a certain thing. And then when you begin to walk into that feeling, don't question it. When you begin to walk into it and God gives you a distaste for what is unclean and he gives you an appetite for what is clean. Glory to God. Uh, Sister Sally Lloyd, one of the great testimonies, Brother Mike Lloyd, he shared it many times. But when God delivered him from alcohol, he took the craving out of him. And he asked God to do that. He said, Lord, I need you to remove this appetite I have for alcohol. And, and he, he had a, a habit that was severe. And he said, Lord, I need you to take away this. He said, if you'll take it away, God, then I could overcome this. And the next morning he woke up. And for the first time in years, he did not want an alcoholic beverage. Instead, he wanted strawberry-flavored water from Walmart. <laughs> Who knew that God was a Walmart fan? But he, God said, I want you to go to Walmart and get you some strawberry-flavored water. <laughs> Amen. And so, it literally, he had some in the back of his refrigerator. And he said he reached around the beer cans and he grabbed that flavored water, strawberry-flavored water. And he started drinking it and he couldn't get enough of it. And he started craving that like he did the alcohol. And the alcohol craving completely went away. And God replaced the craving. Listen, if you've got that that, that craving you shouldn't have, come on into the presence of God. Come on. God is your refuge. God, God is your refuge. He's got a place for the manslayer. He's got a place for the person who doesn't want to be the manslayer. The person who didn't mean to be the manslayer. But now for the, the murderer who wants to be the murderer and who intends to be the murderer, then that person's going to have to absolutely throw themselves down upon the mercy of God in order to be saved. We all do. But there is no refuge for the there is no refuge for the person who believes sin is just fine. There's no refuge for that. You've got to walk away from your sin. Praise God. And if you're having trouble walking away from it, God will give you the craving for what is holy and what is righteous. This is what the Bible means when it says that if you'll delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That does not mean that if you'll do some things that are good and that God likes, that you're going to get a 2023 uh, BMW souped up. That, that's not what that means. No, if you delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Because your heart doesn't know what it should desire. And your heart has certain desires that are unclean and that are not of God. And so you've got to delight yourself in the Lord. And then God, if you will put yourself in that position, surrender your will, put your trust in him. Oh, hallelujah. Call upon him. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and the Lord delivered him out of all his trouble. That's the God we serve. God is our refuge. And when you call upon him, he will come to you, and he will give you 
the desires of your heart. And all of a sudden, you will desire to be a good husband. I mean, sin will make you not care. Sin will make you forget it. Care about being a great husband? It's not what's important to me in my life. Sin will make you not care. Occasionally, you'll have a little glimpse of goodness that you want to do because you're made in the image of God and somehow you're deceitful heart had a good inclination but but sin will make you live very inconsistently and not care about doing consistently what is good and righteous and pure and holy but when God puts his desire in your heart you will literally have the desire to do holy and pure things and you won't have to fight to do it you'll desire it that's Yeshurun that's the God of Yeshua. I'm going to tell you, you, you've never met God like you will when you desire the holy things and the pure things. And sin is so corrupting and sin is so deceitful that there are people who when they reprobate, they will, you'll, you'll meet them and talk to them and, and, and you'll try to jog their memory about the good things of God and it's like they won't even remember it because they have drifted so far from where they once were. And yet all they've got to do is call on him. Pour them pour themselves out upon him. I remember when I was a, a child, there was a man that came to our church. He had backslidden. He at one time was a preacher, a pastor, but he turned his back on God. He lived a very riotous life and he and he went full uh, bore into the world, if you please. And I remember on an Easter Sunday morning, he walked into the house of God and he fell down upon the altar and he wept at that altar. He wept and he wept and he wept and he wept. He, he drenched the carpet where he prayed. And we, he wept so much and so long that by the time everybody left to go get something to eat, he was still at the front of the church weeping. And his wife was sitting on the third row praising God because she'd been praying for this moment for so long. When we came back to service that night, he was still weeping before God. And that man who had lived a wretched life away from God lived for the Lord all the days of his life from that point forward. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You haven't gone so far that God can't reach out to you and bring you back. You have not fallen so low that he can't lift you up. You have not damaged your name so much that God can't put upon you his beautiful and holy and innocent, blameless name. You have hope today. God is your refuge. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is your refuge. Could you lift your hand and thank him? Come on, could you lift your hand and thank him right now? Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you the moment, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. The moment that you are convicted of your sin, there's a hope for you. 
Until you are convicted in your heart of your sin, I'm telling you that you do not have hope. But the moment that you recognize I'm a sinner and I'm in need of Jesus, you are on your way, hallelujah, to a city of refuge. Hallelujah. You come into a place where God can save to the uttermost. My God, have mercy. There are people who have committed the most heinous of crimes that the Spirit of God has moved upon them in the darkness of their circumstance. And he's lifted them out of that place and brought them to the banqueting house. And his banner over them was love. And they got to experience the refuge of God through his mercy. Psalm 9, verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble hallelujah psalm 46 in verse 1 god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof selah there is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God shall help her and that right early the heathen raged the kingdoms were moved he uttered his voice the earth melted the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah come behold the works of the Lord what desolations he hath made in the earth he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth he breaketh the bow cutteth the spear in sunder he burneth the chariot in the fire be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the heathen I will be exalted in the earth the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah praise God Hallelujah. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Meaning the God of us when we are, when we are in our sinful state. When we are making mistakes every time we turn around. We're making more mistakes and we're, we're cheating folks. The God of Jacob, he's our refuge when we're acting like Jacob. And the God of Israel is our refuge. Meaning that he is our refuge when we're prevailing with God and men. And we're struggling and we're fighting. And we're fighting till the break of day. The God of Israel is our refuge. And the God of Yeshurun is our refuge. When we aren't just Israel. But we are upright. And we're victorious. And we're overcoming the adversary. And we have nothing to fear. He is our refuge at every spiritual stage and phase when your heart is yearning and seeking for him praise God come on be in a position where the Lord can be your refuge turn from that sin hallelujah I didn't I, I didn't say you're going to beat it overnight but I'm going to tell you God's going to give you the victory and he that hath begun the good work in you shall perform it under the day of Christ praise God could you lift your hands with me right now in the name of Jesus Come on, all across this house, could you lift your hands with me? Lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God.
God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, stand with me right now in the presence of God and worship Him for He is our refuge. Worship Him for He is our shelter. Worship Him for He is our fortress. Worship the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of Yeshua is our refuge. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, I want the heavy-hearted to come right now. I want the heavy-hearted to come right now. I want somebody that's carrying a burden to come right now and speak to the Lord. Hallelujah. Cast all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Come on, just a little talk with Jesus will make it all right. Come on, bring all your needs to the altar. Bring all your needs to the Lord. God is our refuge. Hallelujah. You may feel like the struggle has become too much. And I'm telling you, struggle on. Fight on. Soldier on. Continue, continue, continue in the fight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Come on, that's it. The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is my refuge. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Oh, blessed be His name. Oh, blessed be His name. Blessed be His name. Blessed be His name. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to tell you something tonight. There's an avenger of blood. The Bible said that if you're in the city of refuge, you'll be safe from the avenger of blood. There's an account in the scripture of a man who walked out of the city of refuge. And the avenger of blood murdered him. Don't leave the city of refuge not for one moment. Don't leave the city of refuge even to hold one grudge. Don't leave the city of refuge even to participate in one act of sin. To indulge the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, anger and malice and wrath and hatred. Never leave. Those things, those things are not welcomed in the city of refuge. 
If you want to participate in those things, you got to go out of the city of refuge. And I'm telling you, there's an avenger of blood waiting on the outside of the city of refuge. It's time to be baptized, hallelujah, into the city. It's time to take up residence in the city. Hallelujah. It's time to buy into the truth of God's faith and grace and mercy. Come on, that's it. God is our refuge. He is your fortress. Yes, Lord.
that you have the victory. This isn't a question of what might happen. You have the victory. This is not a question of whether you will have it or not. God has given us the victory. Trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. Come on, lift up your hands unto God and declare your faith in him. Declare your faith in him. Worship him. Praise him. You're a victorious people. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. God has anointed you and appointed you. Poured his spirit upon you. God's giving some victory right now. God's reminding you. God is reminding you that you are not your own. You are bought with a price, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
Come on and give him praise, give him praise, give him praise, give him Praise Him for what He's about to do as though He already did it. Come on, I want you to thank Him for the victory. I want you to thank Him for the salvation of loved ones. I want you to thank Him for healing in your body. I want you to thank Him for peace of mind. Come on, that's it. Give Him a prophetic praise. Lift high the name of Jesus Christ. Lift high the name of Jesus Christ. Come on and praise him like it's already done. Praise him like it's already done. Hallelujah. 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 doing something. God's doing something right now. Yes, he is. He's doing something right now. He's doing something right now. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, the waters are troubled right now. Woo! I said the waters are troubled right now. Woo! The God of Yeshua is in the house. Hey! I said the God of Yeshua is in this place. Whoa! The God of Israel is in this house. 
The God of Jacob is in this house. If you need to go, you know you're welcome to. But if you want to stay, you're welcome to do that. There's a healing virtue of God sweeping through this house. I would to God that everybody in this place would lift up their hands and open up their hearts. And believe that the very God of peace, that the very God of peace, that the very God of peace. about it. I've got the victory in Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, just go find him and tell him, I've got the victory in Jesus. Ha! God is my refuge. The eternal God is my refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. 